All right, we ready? Let's do this. I'm telling you right now, we've been working on this series now for about six weeks, and uh, this series is one of those things that it's a it's going to be my attempt at to tell you uh, how to parent well. Okay, so for some of you in here, you're already disappointed, and I know we're going to do it together. All right. Now, before you check out, because you're like, oh, I don't have kids, I'll never, I'm not around kids, my kids are gone, I don't know what's, what's, we, we just, let's just take a break, all right? Just take a, take a chill pill, and just remind you that parenting is one opportunity for a deep impact relationship, but there are lots of opportunities that we have in our lives for deep impact with deep relationships. So, though, this next four weeks will have a more slight towards parenting. Um, you'll have to give me grace because there will be times that you'll flat out know as my kids scream past me hours after I preach something like this that I'm still working on some of this too. And that some of you have been to stages of parenting that uh, I have not yet traveled. And though I'm gaining information and it's not my own voice and I'm believing in the wisdom of those around me and those that I've gleaned from and those that I've watched 10 years of students that have graduated and moved on here at Kingsway, and the lessons that I've watched parents of those kids and, the, and the, the kids that I have mentored learn and grow, I'm excited to do my best to guide a conversation. There's three groups of people in this room that I have on my heart as we start this. Uh, one is parents of young, young kids. Uh, that is the most exhausting, physically exhausting stage of parenting that I've been told. Uh, because you just don't get to sleep. And then when you do get to sleep, it's most of the time because you just passed out because you're so exhausted. And the needs are overwhelming, and sometimes it can be despair of how much selfishness is in you that's slowly being ripped out of you by these small children. The second group is those of the teenagers. The hormonal group. This is the group where anything can happen at any time. I'm serious. One day, they're this 12-year-old that loves you and loves everything you say, and then the next day, they're 13, and it's over. They're never going to listen to you again. They suddenly have rage or crying fits that you don't know where they came from, and they can eat twice as much as they did before. And then that stage just lasts, it can last a day for some of you, and it can seem to last a century. And in that stage, it can be one of the most frustrating and exhausting because you are a human taxi. You are just traveling around, following their footsteps, hoping and allowing them to experience life in the safest ways, but at the same time still let them experience some hardships. And you yourself just are supposed to emotionally handle every disappointment and every success in their life without whims to your own psychology. And you're supposed to be able to sleep at night and pretend like nothing affects you and that their imbalance and difficulties has no effect on your life whatsoever. And it can be challenging, to say the least. And then the third group, which is the most overlooked and the group that most of us are still currently in. Parenting adults or being parented by adults. For most of us, I have the honor of still having some of our parents in our lives or being a parent of someone that has graduated high school and moved out 
That is the unspoken stage of parenting that is probably one of the most difficult. Suddenly, this thing that you've been in charge of, that you've had leashed up in some possible way, that you've had control of with either your wallet or a spoon at one point, now you're just supposed to let it free. And it does its thing. It, it, it goes crazy for a little while. Forgets everything you said. Seems to ignore everything you say. Or just see it as criticism. Anytime you drop some wisdom on them, all they look at you and say, you're wrong. And you're like, I'm right. And you're going to tell me later. But right now, I just have to smile. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most frustrating things in the world to watch someone that you love and have poured decades worth of knowledge into make a wrong choice. And I'm telling you, it is the most underappreciated and the most fruit-filled, harvestable time of love and legacy, but it can feel like a desert of poor choices. How do we do it? So there's our three stages. <laughs> We're going to walk through those. And I'm excited about this series. And I'm excited because I think for you and for me, this is not just about parenting. This is about recognizing influence. This is about recognizing how much control and how little control. This is about recognizing your role in the people and the relationships around you. This is about recognizing what you can do and how you can take charge of your responsibilities. To, to leverage the position you have. Maybe you're an uncle or an aunt. Maybe you're a cousin. Maybe you're just a neighbor. But we all have incredible influences with younger generations. And even with generations above us. We'll talk through in the final week. So, the foundation of this whole series is going to come out of Deuteronomy. It's a beautiful verse. Beautiful section of verses. It's one of my, most, it's, it's one of my favorites. And, and, it, and it comes at a, at a place where Moses is trying to help this group of people, and, and I want to clarify this, this, this group of Israelites that have come out of slavery, and I think this is just really important for our, for our picture of who, who God is talking to. This, this group of Israelites have come out of Egypt, and if you've heard the story, you know, God frees them through this incredible act of just seven acts, actually, through Moses, and Pharaoh actually lets these slaves, these Hebrew slaves, go, and then he, God leads them out into the desert, and they become this holy nation with a covenant as God's people. And he is laying out the, the kind of covenant-style relationship that he will be their God and they will be his people and they will bless the entire world. Through, God will bless the entire world through them. And, and it's this beautiful relationship picture that's happening that God is drawing up. But you have to see that, that going from slave to free is a word change, but it's much larger psychologically. Uh, going from a place where you've been oppressed and hurt and taken advantage of and given nothing 
and you have no future, and you have no value other than what you can give, moving into an understanding of freedom is a big deal. So when God lays this out in Deuteronomy as this new covenant, it's not just about you were living here and now you're living here. It is much more about a heart change of how they see themselves. How they value themselves. How they see their opportunity to change their choices. And to live out their choices in faith. And I know for a lot of us in here, look, you may have come from a really, really bad home. You may have had some oppressive things happen to you early on. Your story may be littered with broken pieces. And you are nothing but an example of a transformed life. And that is exactly what God is doing with the Israelites. So these people are told this by God. In this moment, with that context, with this background, he's laying this out, and this is what God is speaking to this group of people being transformed, not just in title, not just in location, but in their hearts, in their very being. Hear, O Lord, or hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here it is. Love the Lord with all your soul with all your strength in your innermost being in your thoughts and everything that goes through you and with all the physical resilience you have these commands that I give you today are to be where? deep inside of you that word heart there translates in Hebrew it, it doesn't really just mean the center of a person it means the holistic idea of a person everything about them this is supposed to be all of you. All of you. In your hearts. And then, as if that's not clear, it's supposed to be all of you. It's as if, it's like, let me give you some illustrations of what this could possibly look like. Because you're coming from a place that you didn't get a chance to express this a lot. You're coming from a place where you may have seen expressions of the opposite. Where you've been oppressed and beat up. And you were pushed aside. And you were told you weren't valuable. So now you need to change the heart message. You need to change the truth. You need to reveal that in every way possible. So this is what it says in verse 7. It says, impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is literally a list of ways. This is what you're supposed to do. But in verse 7 is where we get the title of this series. And it says this, Impress them on your children. Such a cool little phrase. It actually has the word picture in there in that impress them on. It's, it's like a wax envelope. You know, those old school, like, let's think about Pirates of the Caribbean. And they pour the wax on there and they take this big old stamp and they press it in to seal the envelope. And that 
mark that is left is the signature. It's the imprint of the thing that was pressed into them. So the whole thought of this series is this. Our goal is to impress onto the people around us. It is to press into their lives and to leave behind an intentional design, an intentional act of love, compassion, revealing not a slave or a brokenness or a hardship or a powerlessness, but pressing into an heir, a full of value, beautifully designed child of God, chosen. So as we talk about this this next four weeks, this should be on your heart. Love the Lord your God with everything you have, all of you, and impress it on the people around you especially your children. So where do we start? Because to me this sounds like a, a, like, a, let's like a really easy phrase. Like, cool, got that, done. Then you walk out of these walls and one of your two-year-olds throws just the biggest hissy fit, throw down, your teenager just loses his mind, and then your older child calls you and his car's broken again and he has no money again. And you're like, cool. Impress on them. <laughs> What's it going to look like? How do we do it? Let's start somewhere more practical. And let's try to end somewhere that actually gives us a step. I want to talk to you about a concept that I think will drive through the center of kind of what we're going to talk through for the next three weeks with this verse. It's called the locus of control. And the locus of control is a concept that was in the 50s discovered, and it was basically to, to discover resiliency, but it was more to discover how you viewed the world. So there's two types of locus, locuses of control. Uh, external locus of control is this. It's people who believe that fate and external forces control the outcomes of their lives. Things happen to you. Now, don't get confused, because locus seems like a bug, right? It's not a bug. <laughs> All right? Some of y'all, that's that was my mind. I was like, locus, okay, a bug of control. I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, locus is actually a, a Greek word for the word location. It's luki. It's location. That's where we get our word location. So it's the location of control. So some people believe that it's a external. Is that word backwards? Yes, it is. Yeah, this is the second slide. Okay, gosh. Go back to that first slide. I was just freaking out right there. I thought I had, was a dyslexia moment. So some people believe it's an external locus of control, that things on the outside of the world happen and you have no say. It just controls how your life looks. But then there's another one, this slide, whew, internal locus of control, that says this, people who believe they are responsible and in control of their own success. You make things happen. Now, this is really, really important because most of us, we just define this idea as pessimist and optimist, all right? 
Now, like a pessimist is someone that's just always like, it's, gonna, it's just going to be horrible, it's terrible, everything's bad, a glass is half empty, where's my other half of the glass? I wanted it, I don't got it. All right? And the, the optimist is like, all I needed was a half glass, so it sounds great, I want it, that sounds perfect, I love lukewarm water. But this is so much more than that. So much more than that. Really what this is laying out is this concept. We're either making drivers or passengers. We're either making drivers or passengers. So we want drivers, not passengers. That's what we want. We want to believe that we have choices in our life. And I love this illustration because here's the, here's the truth. You ready? There are other drivers on the road. Right? We are not driving by ourselves. So this isn't saying that you just like get in the wheel and you're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go all the way to my goals. No, there's definitely things that you're going to have to navigate. Definitely things you're going to have to push through. But the concept of getting in a car, turning the engine on, putting it in gear, and then just sitting in the passenger seat and blaming everything you hit, or blaming everything that hits you, is locus of control. It's getting in the car, starting the engine, sitting in the passenger seat, and then just looking around and going, there's so many things that could happen. I don't think I could drive. I can't do it. Look at all the trees. Look at all the other cars. Locus control. Now, what this does, if you teach this well, and this is actually something that's driven into you, it actually teaches you resiliency. Now, this is why this is really important. Because what happens a lot of times is we take our locus of control on external factors. So the thought process here is when you have an external locus of control and you're not realizing it, when you're putting that in, it's likes and follows and snaps and people's opinions and how people respond to your choices. That's what gives you the feeling of, okay, I'm making it. Everything's good. Everything's great. And that first, that can lie to you to make you think that you're right. Everything's good. But the truth is, where the rubber meets the road is when things aren't going well. When things haven't gone well. When things, when someone hits you. Or when something goes wrong. A flat tire. That's when you start to see, do I change the tire? Do I make the phone call? Do I get it repaired? In that moment, you have to decide, are these is this a toll booth or is this a roadblock? Is, it, is this a toll booth in my life or is this just a flat out roadblock? I'm never going to make it past it. Now, as far as it comes to parenting, I think this is the biggest thing that at times causes problems. It's all gone. <laughs> this is the biggest thing that causes problems. Because here's the thing. I have, I have, a history. I have made mistakes with my kids. I have done things that I am not proud of in my past that now I'm going to have to talk to my kids about. We have a young adult group that meets here at Kingsway. We did a two-week study this last two weeks with this young adult uh, group on Wednesday nights. I did Sex is Better Than Google. That's what this series was called. And uh, was, the whole concept was trying to lay out a healthy view of sex that would come from church. 
So they'd stop typing in a search bar what they could find out from people that have wisdom and like God's knowledge. And it was really, really fun. I'll just confess to you though, I don't have a perfect sexual past. So like, I'm going into these talks, these conversations like, don't ask me that question, don't ask me that question, please don't ask me that question, I don't have to tell you. And what's crazy is, in our parenting, and in our relationships with other people, oh man, don't do it, I'm too ADD, I can't handle it. Y'all know me. You know how many hours we put into this TV, you guys? It's about to get thrown off the stage. I'm really holding back. I got a roadblock. I'm going to need to get through it. You don't need to stop. It's a toll booth. Thank you. Thank you. Good reminder. Good reminder. Let's press through. Because that's the truth, right? Y'all have been angry before with your kids. You were mad as all get out. You looked at them and you thought, oh, he's on. You have done things that you would never want your kids to do. You lied. And it wasn't about a cookie. You gossiped. You hurt somebody's feelings. You were mean. You might have even hit somebody. You stole. And you could either see it as a roadblock that you can never go down that road with your kids. You can never talk to them about that. You can never teach them about that. You can never be a person that could ever speak to that. Or you could see it as there is a consequence. You know what the consequence is? Your pride, a lot of times. The consequence is a little bit of pride. You have to admit the truth. You still need Jesus. You still need him. Grace is not a one-time act. It's a rocket fuel for every Christian. It is the thing. It's the sustaining power of every Christian is the grace of God. We never don't need it. And you either see it as a toll booth that you got to pay. you got to say, hey, I made this mistake. Hey, I did this. Hey, that was something I chose to do. Hey, yes, that is still a part of my story. Or you see it as a roadblock. And you just never approach it. Anytime it comes up, you just feel this overwhelming sense of passenger seat. Yeah, that happened. It's over. It's over. Never change it. Or you get back in, and you get back the road, and you got a couple dents and dings. Couple bit of, couple bills have left your wallet that cost you a little bit of pride. But that's an internal locus of control. That's choosing to say, just because that happened, just because it went that way, does not mean I don't have a choice. The way I say it with our students all the time, no one else's decisions gives you moral ambiguity, moral decisions outside of what is right. Just because someone else treats you poorly does not give you permission to treat them poorly. That's your choice. Every parent has to help a kid understand they are in control. And every parent, look at me, every parent, every adult has to recognize they are responsible for their own actions. They are making 
the choices, you and me. Whether we hold the wheel and close our eyes is up to us. I want to lay one last foundation as we're walking through this, and this is going to take my spiky ball. I love my spiky ball. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about before I pull this up here. You got one of these in your yard? Some of y'all can't see these. You stepped on one of these in bare feet yet? Yeah. It's like a Christian cuss word at our house. Dang, spiky balls! I was wanting to look for one in my yard this morning. Not even kidding. Just going to go grab one. It was on the first stair outside of my house. Because my kids been hucking these things at each other. I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was probably a seed of some kind. All right? Now, what's crazy about this is why there's so stinking many of them is because a lot of trees, this is what they're... <laughs> this is a lot. Like, I looked it up. I thought it was going to be like one type of tree. No, it's a lot of trees. Do you know we all started out this way? Just like this. And... uh Started out actually down in the dirt. Nobody could see us, right? Knew we were in there. Waiting for us to show up, right? They're going to come. It's going to be amazing. And then they're born. Not much changes, right? All they do is whine can't speak poop and pee everywhere they don't sleep either it seems unless it's during the day and you know what we're tempted to do I can't even find it I buried it too deep there it is I'm tempted to think that I'm raising a seed I'm tempted to think that I'm just raising seeds. You ever had that thought with parenting? This is the foundation for everything we're going to talk about. See, we're not raising seeds. Uh, we're, we're raising trees. We're raising adults. We are not raising children. We're raising adults. And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what it would look like if we were intentional in every stage to raise adults. Did you know that discipleship in the church is supposed to look like the model of Deuteronomy 6? That parents would impress things onto their children, the ways that God is working in their heart. Did you know that it's our job to make disciples by impressing Christ who is impressed into us onto others? And we're not just making converts, baby Christians. Our goal is to make full-fledged disciples. Our goal is to make full adults. I'm going to turn this thing off. I'm about to go crazy. 
All right, good. Our goal is to make full-fledged adults. So here's, here's what I want you to start thinking about. Just ask this question. What am I impressing onto other people? What, what am I impressing onto the people closest to me? The people that I rub shoulders with, that I interact with. Because, here's the truth, we all, we will impress what we are. We will impress what we are. You and I can only impress who we are. You can't lie about this. Your kids will know if you're lying so fast. It's crazy. My kids the other night, this is going to tell you how old my kids are, seven, five, and three. I go to t- bedtime, so 8 o'clock. Hey, we got to go to bed. We have a no-juice policy after 7 because the wife doesn't like doing sheets every night. All right? They don't drink so much water, they'll drink all the juice you can possibly give them. All right? So I say, hey, we're not having juice. It's just water. Simultaneously holding a Coke. My five-year-old, who is the one that always catches on first, just looks at me and goes, what's that? (laughs) You know what I said? Adult water. You know, your tone is the thing that your kids are going to remember. Your tone. I don't remember my, my dad's words as much as I remember his tone with me. How mad he was, or how sad he was, or how loving he was. I remember his tone a lot. You know, I don't remember how he interacted with me as much as I watched him interact with other people. I remember the times that he would get so mad at someone else or he would be so kind to someone else and I was just like the fly on the wall. And he didn't know it, but that was him pressing in. I wonder for how many of us in here have been sitting in the passenger seat for so long that it feels like a roadblock and it feels like all things are over, but you're still making impressions even if you're not holding on to the wheel and even if you're sitting still. It's unavoidable. People pick up what you're putting down regardless of what it smells like. You will impress what you are. You will impress what you are. How do we change if we want to change it then? How do we do it? Because for most of us in here, I'm not going to lie, parenting feels like an overwhelming mess that I got my own self into. A lot. How did I get here? But if I'm real honest, it was just a deeper exposure of what was already going on in my own life. Those kids just pulled it out quicker. Romans 12, 2 says this, and it's Paul trying to decide the perfect words to give you the process for what it looks like to believe that God is trustworthy and to follow and decide and choose Him. Do not conform. Hey, there's 
our pattern of the world. There's our, our imagery right there. Do not let what the world is pressing into you stay your pattern. Do not let your default, what is natural, what is easy, don't let that be the thing that you conform to. But instead, be transformed. As God presses into you, as you surround yourself with the community that is loving and uplifting and truth-filled, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is the same journey that the Israelites were on that they needed to believe in their heart and in their mind that God loved them. That he is for them. That he is with them. And he has given them the tools to succeed. He has given them the opportunities to make choices to succeed. That's the renewing of your mind as you gain understanding and perspective. You choose And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And I love that ending is good. Just in case you were wondering, it's pleasing. He likes when you're happy and it tastes good. He likes it. That's always nice to hear. And it's perfect. There's no detours in his plan. There's no roadblocks. It's perfect right back on the road. My hope is that Romans 12.2 is something that you might choose to look at this week. As you're thinking about the deep relationships around you and the deep impact you could be having, I hope you're not conforming to what is natural but being transformed into a new way to impress. Transformed into a new plan, a new path that is good, pleasing, and perfect. But just to give you even just something that you could just, I hope, that you could just use every single morning. And this is what we're going to try to do as a church this week. You can take a picture of this on the screen. You can write it down. It's on kingswaymo.info. But every morning this week, I heard this just a couple weeks ago, and it's been in my heart. Every morning this week, we're going to read this. We're going to say this out loud as a church. Can we do that? I know you're not not sure what you're agreeing to yet, but we're going to do it together, okay? It's four lines. Here it is. So we start this series. Right up here. Right now. Boom. There it is. Magic. God is on his throne. His promises are true. The devil is a liar. And my faith is a victor. God is on his throne. There is one who sits on the ultimate driving path and he is calling all his followers with the power of the cross to come after him. His promises are true. We can trust that his grace is enough that the wilderness will not be the end and that he will be faithful. The devil, anything that speaks any kind of shame, any kind of against that message that you are a slave that you are oppressed that no one wants you he's a liar and that my choices and my faith to follow my savior is victory it's victory this right here 
will change your mornings. Mom's in here with little kids. You might need to say this a couple times. Mom's in here with teenagers. This may need to just be a refrain you say every day. Mom's in here with those outside the house. This may be a tear-filled cry. But for all of us, what would this do to change our impressions? What would this do to change the way we impressed into anyone around us? If we would choose to believe that God is on his throne, if we would choose to believe his promises are true, any message against that is lying. And that your faith and my faith is the victory. So we continue this series. Let's do this together every single morning. Can we do that? Let's just read this. Let's speak it over our lives. Let's speak it to God. And let's, even if you're, tr- you're having a hard time trusting it, try it. Try it. Say, God, I don't know if I fully believe it, but I'm at least going to try it. And let's see as a church if we don't feel a little different after a week. Just handing back what God can control of and taking the wheel of what we are. Making proper impressions, deep relationships, deep impacts. Pray with me.